Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking debt-free degrees with Jason Brown. Right, man. We are going to talk about getting your degree debt-free with Jason Brown. And just to set it up for folks, Jason, he's a friend of ours. He's actually local here in Atlanta. So he has joined us in our in the How to Money Clubhouse. I'm not necessarily going to, I'm not going to call it a studio <laughs> per se. He is here in person, which is a ton of fun. But Jason, he's contributed to the site, to our site, How to Money. He's written a ton of articles there. He's got three kids. Congrats, by the way, on the, you got the new guy yep, there. And yep. so, newborn. Uh, but you've written multiple books, uh, Margin Matters, It Is Possible, another one. Uh, but you've talked about achieving, getting your degree debt free, and specifically with student loans restarting. We felt that who better to have here on the podcast to talk about not only paying off student loans, but specifically graduating debt free and avoiding those student loans to begin with. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Wow, that was an amazing introduction there. I really appreciate (laughs) it. Probably the best I've ever had. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you guys in person. And I can only hope and pray that whatever I say just helps the next generation of of students avoid the dreaded student loan debt. So one other thing I'll mention is that I don't know if there is anybody else I know that is taller than Joel. So Joel is a pretty, what are you? You're like six, six? I'm like six, five, six, six. And Jason's probably six, seven. You know what? Six, seven, six, eight. Here's the story. I've been telling everybody I'm six foot eight, but then they had at the office, they had the biometric screening and and the the guys come in, you know, they do your height and weight. And I, and I weighed, or I measured in at six foot seven. So I can only believe that gravity old is, age, is, old age, is bringing me down. So now I have to change you know, my driver's license. I'm six foot seven now. That's I'm, what we're going with. And I'm not used to looking up at people. I don't like it, Jason, but I, <laughs> I still like hanging out with you anyway. But uh, are the, okay, the first question we ask anybody who comes on the podcast, as you know, is what do they like to splurge on? Matt and I, we splurge on craft beer. We're drinking a pale ale right now. What, uh, what is that for you that while you're saving and investing, what do you kind of splurge on from time to time while you're doing the right thing with your money? Now, as you said, uh, I have three boys, seven, three, and five months. So at this stage of life, I'm not splurging on anything for myself, as you guys know. Diapers. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe a sleep mask for you and your wife, perhaps. Uh, yeah, a white noise machine. Uh, but the equivalent, I will say the equivalent to, to what you guys do with your with your beer is uh, I am a 7-Eleven Slurpee snob, okay? Ooh. So here's the thing, 7-Eleven Slurpees. Here in Georgia, there are no 7-Elevens, so I can't get a Slurpee anywhere. So I have to go down to Florida. They're, they're real 
big in Florida. Uh, you'll find them in certain uh, cities in Florida on every street corner. Now, the thing about 7-Eleven is you have to go to a different 7-Eleven. You have to go to all of them because they all have different flavors, different <laughs> flavor selections. Really? Yeah. You have I to did go- not know yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. So, um, but, but the 7-Eleven Slurpee, I've always been a Slurpee snob. I always thought that was the best, you know, drink, uh, you know, refreshment <laughs> you can get. Some would say like high-end scotch. You're like, no, no, no. No, Slurpee. It's 7-Eleven Slurpee. It's Slurpee is the way to go. Now, I just found this out. Somebody sent me like a Facebook message or something. They said, hey, uh, you realize you can get Slurpees at Speedway. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, apparently the the company that owns 7-Eleven, they just bought Speedway, the gas station, the gas station yeah. chain. And there's actually two Speedways that are close. There's one in Alpharetta, Georgia, and there's one in Cartersville, Georgia. And I've already been to both uh, <laughs> to, to confirm this. So this is true. At Speedway... They have the 7-Eleven Slurpee machines inside the Speedway gas station. Oh, so there yeah. are some now in Georgia if you're in the area. I'm glad it, you can get your fix without having to drive seven hours, you know? Because then it truly is a splurge for you to have to drive to another state. It takes a while to get down to Florida. That's <laughs> a good point because it's, you know, it's a dollar drink, so it's, you know, really not a splurge. But then when you... 100, 100 bucks in gas, though. Yeah. There, that's the splurge <laughs> and the time right, yeah. to get there. Yeah, I love that one. Let's uh, let's start talking about kind of the subject at hand. Let's talk about uh, debt free degrees and paying for college and, and payments. Like we like Matt said at the beginning, they're about to to restart on student loans in just a few days. We all know that student loan debt is a massive problem. This is something you've been highlighting for a bunch of years in your work. Can you put it into context for us, though? Can you kind of maybe share some numbers and talk about? Some people have called it a crisis. Like, is is student loan debt a crisis? Yeah, you know, I, I've got some pretty uh, strong opinions on all this. Yes, it's a crisis, but yet it to me, it's a student loan debt crisis, but it's also a student loan debt scam because young 17, 18-year-old kids are being presented with only one option to go to college, debt. And, and actually, I interviewed a girl in my book, and she told me the story. She said, I, when I went to the uh, orientation session at her university, they set her down and they said, you have three options. The, these are your options to pay for school, option A, B, and C. All the options were debt. Those are the only <laughs> options that she was presented. And she said, Jason, if my dad wasn't in the room with me, he grabbed my arm and dragged me out of the room, or else I would have just signed one of these contracts and sure. taken debt out. Now, to, to your point, Joel, uh, we're looking at 70% of students take out loans to help pay for colleges. That's a, that's a tremendous amount. Uh, uh, sounds low to me almost, uh, honestly. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, you're thinking it's higher. I was thinking it would be more even, like it, that's, but that's still a lot. That's, it's significant. And, and the big problem, guys, is it, that the people that I feel for the most is, is that we have in our country, 40% of all college students never graduate. Mm-hmm. They drop out for whatever reason, they run out of money, life happens, you know, maybe they start a family or whatever. There's lots of reasons why people don't make it through college, but those are the people that have gone through taking out debt but never got the degree. So those are the people that are really suffering the most with the yes. student loan debt crisis. I agree. Those people are behind the A ball to the biggest extent because no degree, no increased earnings oftentimes to show for the work, but they still have the debt alongside it. Yeah, it's like a, a double whammy uh, in, in effect. So given that, given the fact that there are a lot of folks who aren't even graduating, so they're not, you know, they don't have the, the fruit from their labor to show for it. So that's one That's one group of folks. But even for the folks who are graduating, who do right. get the degree, who have the potential for increased earnings, do you feel that the value proposition has changed considering the drastic inflation that we've seen with higher education, specifically with going to college? So you mean like, are we talking ROI? Think, here? Yeah, yeah ROI. ROI. Is it worth the money? Yeah, because is for, it worth it? For yeah. generations, I mean, decades... Like I was the only thing I was ever told as a little kid growing up is like, you better go to college. And I know my parents enough and they loved me no matter what. And if I had not gone to college, they certainly would have continued to love me. But they would have been disappointed. They would have really been upset, I think, if I chose not to, unless I had a really great plan, something else on the horizon. But for a lot of like a lot of students have been told that they're like, oh, you've got to do this mm-hmm. no matter the cost. But with the high cost right. of college, uh, I think there are some folks who are starting to question whether or not it's worth it. I think you're you're spot on, guys. And and, and I'm a little bit older than you two, but we're kind of in a similar age range uh, that from our generation, this is one of the American dreams, you know, home ownership, 
college degree. But let me tell you what, there's only about 37% of Americans even hold a bachelor's degree. So think about that for a second. And only about, I think it's 13%, only about 13% have a master's or higher degree. So it's a a minority, right? And people might not realize that. So here's the thing, the ROI, is is college worth it? That's the the question now. And, And really what you have to do is you have to really do your due diligence and your research on specific degree courses what does it relate to in the job market and one of the pieces of advice i give people is like hey student and parent go go sit down go hire a career coach these guys are going to be the ones that can these are the experts that can help you match up a degree program with a uh, career industry is it worth it is this degree going to translate to a high paying or rewarding career or is this degree going to lead to you know a thirty thousand dollar you know salary and that's what you have to weigh out hey if you're if you're paying for college on your own and you go debt free and and you want to work in nonprofit and make $30,000 a year, that's, you're totally fine because you're not leaving school with $80,000 of student loan debt. But you don't want to get the degree and still be a barista at the end of the day, right? And, and, and take on the debt at the same time, right, that's going to that's gonna saddle you down for years to come, but not have the increased income to go. I, I love that advice of going and talk to an expert about that. Let's talk about your story because you got two debt-free degrees. Um, and, and I want to talk about like how you went about that. But but what made you initially like see the importance of avoiding debt in order to take on a higher education in the first place? Because like you said, a lot of people, like the girl you highlighted, would just sign, oh, I'm 17, I'm 18. I'm like, yeah, well, why not? If this is the only way, the only options that are being presented, I guess I'll do it. What made you see that there was another path that you needed to take? That's such a good question. I get, I get that, that question a lot, Joel. And uh, so I went to undergrad in started in 1993. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mid to late 90s. Now back then you, you're not hearing about a student loan. Even though there was this student loans was going on and, but you don't hear it in the news back then about a student loan debt crisis or anything like that. So for me, I was just raised my, my parents raised me a certain way to you know, avoid debt, to pay for you can't buy it unless you can afford it, right? Now, my such pa- an antiquated way of yeah, uh, thinking yeah. and living well, now, you know. Right. Get with the times, Jason. Yeah. Come, Come on. on. Come on now. Now, my parents they, they didn't really like sit me down and teach me about money, like here's how you bu- you know balance a budget, here's how you do a check ledger. I just learned from watching them. I never saw my dad go out and buy, you know, a brand new car and drive it home on a whim. I never saw my parents come home on a Friday afternoon. Hey, we're all going to to uh, Hawaii next week for vacation. No, <laughs> nothing like that. There were no big splurges. There were no, you know, uh, frivolous spending. And it, my parents were both very frugal people. They were very smart with their money. They were savers. And so I just kind of took on that mentality. So when I entered undergrad school uh, in the mid nineties, debt was really not an option for me because I was always taught if you can't pay for it, you can't do it. So that was, you know, my mentality. So I never even thought about taken out a loan or that, that never even crossed my mind. It was just like, okay, well, how am I going to pay for this? Let me go work. Let me get, I was working three, you know, three part-time jobs. I was, you know, getting scholarships. I was doing all kinds of stuff, resourcefulness just to, to make my way through. I was going to school part-time because that's all I could afford. I was just kind of pay as you go kind of thing. So, so those are some of the things I did, but that was my mentality was, it was just like, I can only do what I can afford. Mm-hmm. Which forces you to become creative. Yeah. I was just talking to a, a buddy and we were talking about like leadership and he he said something along the lines of uh, oftentimes great leaders have uh, like, a, gosh, I wish I could remember the term, but it's like a subconscious competence where you don't even realize it. And it sounds like that you had that to a certain extent when it came to your finances, you were subconsciously competent. You were subconsciously on the right track. But I like that you did take some some specific tactics in order to ensure that you were not taking out debt like can you share some of the some of the different creative ways that you were able to find not finance but literally pay Pay, cash (laughs) for your college uh, education yeah so when i was in school uh i was work i actually this was to the detriment of my gpa by the way Uh, i worked three part-time jobs simultaneously so but but they were all it was very convenient so i had two on-campus jobs which i recommend people to do oh yeah because uh, a, a lot of on-campus jobs they'll they'll pay you'll get a tuition waiver and i'll get you a stipend now i didn't get those in mind but i just got paid like an hourly rate or whatever but i was the uh, at the time i wanted to get into sports broadcasting uh so i was actually the sports editor for the student newspaper and then i uh worked in the uh sports information department with the athletic department uh, i was doing a lot of work with them working for all the athletic 
teams. And then uh, I also worked a retail job at Town Center Mall, which is literally almost across the street from campus. Uh, I worked in like a sports apparel shop and, uh, you know, made a whatever the minimum wage was at the time. So everything sports related. There's, yes. a, there's, there's a common theme. Here. Yes. That was my first uh, passion, my first love. Now, on top of just working and, you know, kind of paying my way through, I also got scholarships. Uh, later on, I actually worked, I went and worked for Chick-fil-A. Now, Chick-fil-A has a really good scholarship program now. But back then, when I was at Chick-fil-A, I had to be there for two years and I had to work 2,000 hours and then they gave me a $1,000 scholarship. Now, that might not seem like much in today's age, but back then, you know, I'm so old, we were on the quarter system. I went to Kennesaw State uh, here just north of Atlanta, and uh, we were on the quarter system. So a $1,000 check paid for two quarters. So that paid for 75% of my year pretty much. So so that was a huge help. And then, uh, so what happened was I was working in the athletic department, and most of that yeah, was- you got a scholarship. Yeah, yeah. You were the first non-athlete to get a, a yes. scholarship from the athletic department. Yeah, I, 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 I got to hear about story. this. I got to tell that story. So- uh, so I was working in the athletic department. They had no budget. You know, at the time they were a Kennesaw State, you know, they started out as like a junior college and they were like a NAIA school. Then they were NCAA Division Two. So they've, they've really come a long way. Hey, we made it to the tournament last That's year. Right. Okay? Lost That's right. Lost in the first year, but yeah. we, we played, we had valiant effort. Was it was it the Owls, Kennesaw? The Kennesaw State Owls. Right. Yeah, they made it the first time ever last year. They made it to the NCAA men's uh, basketball tournament. Yeah, the yeah. tournament, March Madness. Yeah, the first time ever. So they're Division One. They're at the highest level now. So back in my day, uh, there was no budget. They couldn't pay me. So what I did was I I kind of used it as internship credit. So I got school credit for working out with them, but they did pay me to work games. So whenever there was a game, you know, I would work a game and, you know, do the announcing or, or whatever. They run the scoreboard. And I think they paid me like five or 10 bucks a game. So I certainly wasn't getting rich off that. But what happened was the athletic director, I think in his creative way of compensating me because I was always, you know, putting in hours of free labor, so my junior year, he put me on a book scholarship. So my junior year of college, I had all my books paid for by the athletic department. And that was a huge, huge help. So then I came back for my senior year and I was completely shocked to find out that they had put, they had given me an athletic scholar, a full athletic scholarship that paid for tuition, books, everything. And uh, yes, I was not an athlete. So I, I, ho- I hope I didn't take a scholarship away from, a, from an athlete. <laughs> I don't think I did. I think that was just their creative way of compensating me because instead of you know, writing me a check that might have come out of a budget or whatever, yeah. they're just like, hey, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll waive your tuition and your books. But that was life changing for me, getting a whole year, my senior year, a whole year paid for. So that was, that was a huge, a huge help to me. That, that is huge. Well, and so you mentioned books too, because I mean, books aren't cheap. And so there are different paths, different routes you can take when it comes to books. Like there are more places you can rent books as opposed to going to the on-campus bookstore and buying it brand new, you know, like that In spine. Crap. Yeah, the spine's never been cracked before. Like, what? yeah, what, what's your take on yeah. uh, some of the different ways to cut the cost there? Now, now, that's a good, you made some good points there because back in my day, None of those were options. You couldn't rent, but so much has changed now that you can really cut down the cost. Back in my day, it was a huge racket. It was a scam, man. You would have to, you would be forced to buy the new book for the class. And then you would say, oh, well, I'll just sell it back at the end of the quarter. And then you couldn't sell it back because the next quarter they were moving to a new book. <laughs> exactly. And so your book was worthless. So you had to pay whatever, a hundred bucks for a book and then you're stuck with it, right? Some there, of those books are more than that now. And, and you that certainly alludes to the scam portion right. of the, and you <laughs> the higher education. And now you can go on Amazon or eBay or all these, you can go sell them online. You couldn't really do it that, you know, in the early nineties, that yeah. wasn't really an option either. Um, so so now back then, yeah, you were, you were held hostage by these you know, book, book companies but now like you said matt you can actually rent books you can uh, buy books i bought now when i went back to school uh for my grad program which i'll tell that story in a second too but you know this was more recent i had the option to rent books to buy books uh, buy used books i bought all my books used off amazon for dirt cheap Mm. and and ironically it was cheaper for me to buy a book that than rent it, or it would either be the same price like so it would be like i could buy the book for 50 bucks or i could rent it for 50 bucks for the semester, but hey, I, I'll just buy the book and then hope to sell it, hope to get half my money back. Yeah. That was my strategy. So that's kind of how I handled it, but it really just depends on the class or the book. It, in some cases, it is a lot cheaper to rent it. It might be 10 bucks to rent a book versus 50 bucks. Then yeah, then, then it would make more sense to do that. But there's so much more options now uh, for sure in, in the digital age that we, and now you know a lot of, a lot of classes, 
the teachers will just uh, email you a PDF yeah. and you can just download the digital version and, and not have to pay a thing. And sometimes you can ask the teacher, hey, do you teach to the book? Do you use the book or or, you, or is it all based on lecture? And so you might they might have one in the syllabus. You might be able to get by without having the book at all. It just depends on the class, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But you also, one of the tactics you took was to go part-time to school. So it took right. you longer to get your degree, but it allowed you then to have some of those part-time jobs. Did you like run a cost-benefit analysis on that or, or do you feel like you missed out on potential years of increased income growth because it took you longer to get your degree? Like, what was your thought process on that? And do you think going to school part-time makes sense for more people? Well, Joel, those are excellent questions. But when I was 20 years old, I certainly wasn't thinking (laughs) that strategically. To be honest with you, I actually had some health situations in college that kind of caused me to fall behind and caused me to go part-time. So actually, you know, I kind of fall in that statistic of like, uh, I think it's like 64% of students take longer than four years. So that's another thing that people have to budget for is, is that most students take over four years on average to graduate. Uh, but for my story, I, I ran into some health issues that, that kind of uh, derailed me a little bit. But But also, yes, my strategy was, hey, I'm only going to you know, go to school for what I can afford. I can afford two classes this quarter or one class or three classes, whatever it may be. Um, That's what I can afford uh, just because I didn't want to go into any debt and I didn't want to fall behind. I didn't want to drop out either. Like I didn't want to be like, oh, well this quarter, I, you know, it would be great if I just worked and just skipped a quarter. Cause I saw, what happened was I saw a lot of of my uh, peers doing that. And then now they would, I would never see them come back Mm. to school. Right. It's like you stop the habit you stop going to class and then you're like, ah, maybe I'll take another quarter off too. And then, uh, after a little while you stop going to school. Right. So like for me, you know, and, and another thing was I got so far behind, I actually had to go to summer school three years in a row Mm. just, uh, it took me about five and a half years to graduate. So I, I, my last three years I was going to school, I was going to summer school. Actually, I was going to school year round for my last three years of school, uh, just so I could graduate in five and a half years. But no, I, I didn't really think of lost income or anything like that because at the time that I graduated, you know, I wanted to get into the sports industry and evidently it's extremely uh, difficult to get into the sports industry because everybody wants to work in sports. It's highly competitive. So it actually took me about a year to land a full-time job in, in the sports world. So, so I, I kind of knew that I was facing that as well. You know, that's this is actually one of the reasons I'm such a fan of different tech schools that have like the co-op programs where you go to I don't know it exactly. I didn't live it myself, but, I, you know, you go to school for a semester, you work for a semester, but you're actually earning an income. And I think that the ability for you to use some of that income to pay mm-hmm. for your, your schooling is is, is pretty huge. But uh, we're going to continue our conversation with you, Jason. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about how it is you can get the, these debt free degrees, not just how, but also why. That is so important to do. We'll get to all that right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money 
I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back. We're, we're still talking about debt-free degrees with the guy who is the expert at this, Jason Brown. And he's in, live in studio with us uh, here in the How to Money Clubhouse. So, Jason, live studio audience. Exactly. Yeah. Like. Oh, if only. If only we had. Just, uh, Matt, can you play the clap sounder right now? <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, I think this is so important now as like student loans are, are, are repayments are beginning and a whole lot of people are like, they feel, they feel stuck because of student loans. Why is it such a passion of yours to convince folks to get a degree with, without taking on any debt at all, like, like taking it off the table? It's, it's so disheartening to see what's happening to, you know, 45 plus million Americans that are, are really struggling with these student loans because they were sick, whatever, 17, 18, 19 years old, and they didn't understand, you know, what they were signing. They didn't understand how interest rates work. They didn't understand, like, uh, you know, each year the cost of college goes up. So they're looking at uh, expenses for year one, and they're just saying, oh, $10,000 a year. Okay, so that times four is $40,000 that's all I'm going to owe mm-hmm. when they realize when they don't think, Oh, it might take me five or six years to graduate. And Oh, every year the cost of college probably goes up by at least 10%. So th- th- those are things that people don't really, you know, aren't really aware of, I guess. So 40 turns into 55 and, and it quickly, yeah, it quickly, you know, gets out of hand. And like me, like, Hey, I graduated uh, my undergrad and it took me almost, I was living at home at, and looking for a job for almost a year, working part-time jobs, you know, folding clothes at retail at the mall. And Were you one of the Gap guys that would stand there, you know, and like greet people as they're walking in? Oh, he's Abercrombie and Fitch. Come on, <laughs> I actually worked. Cl- yes. That's close. <laughs> yes, I actually worked at a store called Galleons, oh. which was bought out by Dick's. So if you know Dick's Sporting Goods, I basically worked at a Dick's, gotcha. and I gotcha. worked in men's apparel. So I was sitting there you were, folding you were shirts. There, right? I was folding. I wasn't greeting people. Probably because I'm too tall and I would scare people <laughs> off. But I was uh, kind of in the back folding all the shirts. So like guys like you, like yourself, you guys would come in, mess up all the shirts. Oh, look at all these shirts. <laughs> all right, Let me all mess right, up the yeah. rack. And then I have to come behind you, put everything back on the hangers. We actually did that as a way to help people get employed like yourself. Like it was like, hey, if we mess up more shirts, there's more jobs for people to fold shirts, right? It's the broken windows theory. Right. Like, it's like if we smash all these windows, somebody's got to like, yeah. you're ba- <laughs> replace these things. You're basically creating jobs for others. Yes, That's exactly. very kind of you guys, really. Stimulating the economy as much as we can. Well, so I, th- I mean, what are the ways you can get a, a degree without spending, uh, like, let's just talk about, I'm thinking about specifically, we, we had a, an ask how to money question and a listener, she's up in South Carolina and her employer one of the benefits they offered was to cover her grad school. She was going back to get an MBA. How popular are these different programs becoming the ability to... You're basically increasing how much it is that you can earn at your employer's expense, basically. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt, because that's I actually wanted to touch on that a little bit because I went back to grad school. I, kind of, uh, I graduated in 2018, so not too, too, too long ago, but... This is what I did. So I actually was an employee. I went back to my alma mater and was an employee at Kennesaw State. So as an employee, they have a, it's called a TAP program, which stands for Tuition Assistance Program. And so as an employee, they covered all my tuition. Now I still had to pay for books out of pocket. So I started grad school, KSU paid for my tuition. I had to pay for my books. So then I actually changed jobs. I went back to the private sector. And then when I changed jobs, I was preparing, me and my wife were preparing to pay out of pocket for the rest of my schooling. And I was looking at about 2,700 bucks a semester. Uh, Luckily, I was toward the end of my, I only had like two semesters left. So I was like, okay, you know, we can do this. But when I was hired by my new job, I was going through all the benefits package and I noticed 
tuition reimbursement program. Wait a minute, what is this? That's uh, let interesting. me si- let me sign up. That's the first thing I did on the first day. I was like, hey, give me the application for this tuition reimbursement. How does this work? Let me <laughs> sign up for that. But here's the thing: this is such an amazing trend that we're seeing now. With the, all these companies are are offering tuition reimbursement or or like uh, uh, some sort of assistance, even if it's not a hundred percent, it might be fifty percent or whatever it may be. And especially like for me. You know, I'm a writer, so I went back to school and got a professional writing degree. So if it's related to your position, your company is is more than likely going to want to help you with that because it's going to make you a better employee for them, and it's going to make you you know a more well-rounded, and it's going to increase your skill set. So you you know we see uh, you know all the big name companies in the news, you know Target, Publix, Costco, Starbucks, Starbucks, yeah. all the big name uh, companies, the big brands. They get they're the ones that get all the headlines for doing this, uh, and there's a lot of them now, but. This is an exciting trend to see. A lot of people are kind of ju- jumping on this bandwagon to offer tuition, uh, you know, reimbursement or tuition assistance as an employee, and that's so that's so great to see. So I'm I'm going to tell y- your audience, hey, if if you guys are like looking to change jobs or maybe look, you know, or you're in the job market or whatever, and you you never finish your degree or you want to pick up an extra degree, maybe go back to school, get a master's or something, make sure that that company that you're looking at hiring or looking at interviewing with, make sure that they offer a tuition reimbursement. That's a huge benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about total compensation. It's not just the headline salary number. There's all those other benefits that you want to take into consideration because you might be willing to get paid $8,000 less because, oh, wait, there's a better match. And, oh, wait, they'll pay for me to go back to school. And, oh, wait, they'll do more flexibility. Like all of those other things add up. Right. And so we should make a decision about where we work based on the abundance of benefits, not just the salary. Talk to me about um, like where we choose to go to school, because that makes a difference in the price too. And uh, I think one of the things that, that we've done to a lot of young kids, it's like, oh, go, go to the school that makes your heart flutter <laughs> or something like that, right? It's like, go to your dream school. Well, how would you talk to a teenager who's thinking about where they go to, where they go to school the kind of dream school versus a practical, cheaper alternative. It's a financial and an emotional conundrum. How do you help people think through that? Yeah, that when you ask me that question, I think about my own kids. I have three boys, so when they get of age, you know, what am, what would I tell them? That's the exact question you said, what would I say? So our world is changing and there's so many alternatives to traditional college now. But the first thing, the, the number one thing that I tell people is if you make one decision, just one, uh, just make one decision. And if you wanna go to college, go to an in-state public school. Hmm. If you go to an in-state public school, you will save tens of thousands of dollars just by making that one decision. Um, but but regarding alternative, now, see, we live in this digital technology age where there's so many alternatives to school. There's online college, which is so much less expensive. There's, you can go the technical, or it, it's called, you know, technical or trade school, sometimes still called vocational school. There's that route that you can go, which is much less expensive and, and much, and, and a lot of times a fraction of the time too. So you got to look at the the financial commitment and the time commitment. So, and th- there's so many uh, other opportunities like, um, there's apprenticeship pro. You talked about co-ops, Matt, and that's kind of similar to like an apprenticeship program. There's apprenticeship programs. I have friends that have taken gone to like culinary apprenticeship schools where it's like a nine month program and they pay ten thousand dollars, and but they're getting placed in like you know high end restaurants. They're getting placed in catering companies. They're getting placed, you know, they're learning how to launch. A lot of these guys go on and, and launch a food truck business or they launch a catering business or they they become you know you know, renowned chefs. So, and they're going to school for nine months and paying $10,000 to do that versus, you know, a traditional college route, which is so much more expensive. So there's so many more options out there now. I mean, I hear stories about people just going on YouTube and, and watching videos for free. There's a lot of free online courses too. Like if you're just interested and this is a great way to like kind of process of elimination, like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in social media, but you know, I don't know if I want to really pay to, to go get a digital marketing degree. Well, Hey, there's probably a free digital marketing course, like an intro course or a fundamentals course that you can find online, take it and see if that's, you know, your cup of tea, see yeah. if see that's something you, that you want to pursue. What's your whistle just a bit, yeah. kind of like dip your toe in and then decide, oh, do I want to keep going on the, in this direction? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, and that's one of the things when it comes to staying in state and paying the in-state tuition rate, finding a, maybe a local community college is that you are able to do some of this discovery process at a much reduced 
price. And the problem is, is when a lot of times kids are going, like they do have their heart set on a private out of state school. Right. And during the first two years, that's when they're kind of figuring out what it is that they love. Oh, not to mention that they're paying, you know, $50,000 a semester uh, while they're also racking up other expenses because cost of living might be higher in some of those. In some of those cities. But um, so you you actually, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned your wife. Okay. And you, so so you got your degrees debt-free and you're talking about when you went back to grad school that this is something that you and your wife are, you know, it's a decision that, that y'all were making together. She wasn't so fortunate <laughs> to, uh, when it came to the degree and the price that she paid for it. How did you approach your finances like did y'all combine your money did you see because we talked about this recently with uh, the rad coaches about combining your finances uh how did you view the sixty thousand dollars that was essentially now yours after you were being so diligent and uh careful with your finances yes that's such a good uh good question man so yeah i have a unique kind of perspective in that i was fortunate to earn two debt-free degrees and then when i got married my wife had a had an undergraduate bachelor's degree. Uh, we actually went to the same school at different times, uh, but she incurred about $60,000 of student loan debt. So basically what we did um, was that we we got real aggressive in paying that off. And, and, and I basically told her my story of like, hey, I had a debt-free journey before, like when I was single, I paid off $13,500 in credit card debt, making only $23,000 a year and, and did that in 13 months. So I told her that whole story about how I got on a budget stuff. But she's like, Ooh, yeah, she, stud. she really, she took to it, man. She yeah. was really like, okay, you know, and she started writing things down and taking notes and stuff. But, um, I will say, here's the thing. When we first got married and this, you guys are both married. This is going to be a fun question. What, what are the top two questions that people at right when you get married, the, the top two things that people, everybody starts asking you this kids. Yep. That's, that's, that's obviously one. a big one. When are you going to have kids? Yeah. What? Do you know what the other oh, one is? What is the other one that you would ask someone who just got married? Just got married. What two major life, you know, decisions. where are you going to live? Right. Well, well, more specifically, when are you going to buy a big house? Uh-huh. When are you going to buy a house? Oh, when are you guys going to buy a house? Cause we were living in a condo. When are you guys going to buy a house? When are you guys going to have kids? Like, dude, we just got married like five <laughs> minutes ago, man. Like give us a chance to go on our honeymoon. Uh, so, so those are the big questions. And we answered every single one of those people with not until we get out of debt not until we pay off this student loan debt. Not, we're paying off this debt first. So that was our goal. And we were, my wife was 28 at the time and she made a very aggressive proclamation. She says, I'm paying off this debt by the time I turned 30, the 30th birthday. So she she gave herself nice. two years. She said, but by the time I turned 30, I'm having this debt paid for. I was like, I don't know if we're gonna do it. You know, we weren't making that much money at the time. We were each making 30K a year. We had a yeah. combined, you know, oh, your finance question. We we did combine finances okay. uh, for that question. So we, we were making a combined 60,000 a year. So that's basically, we and we did it. We paid it off in two so, years. So how did you do that? Cause that sounds yeah. crazy. Hey, we're it making 60K combined. We paid off 60K worth crazy. of debt in two years. What tactics did you use? We, we, um, well, first of all, uh, we were in the position to delay. You know, we didn't have any kids, so we put off having kids. We put off having a, buying a house. We put off, uh, you know, big vacations. Uh, we didn't really eat out that much. You know, all the all the normal stuff, right? Just did you grow up in the Midwest? <laughs> like, I, I feel like so much of what you're saying, like like we were saying earlier, it goes contrary to the. I hate to say this, but sort of like the entitlement attitude of like, well, we're gonna do that. We're gonna get the thing now. We're gonna buy it now. We're gonna pay for it later. But that's not at all the approach y'all took. It's the the B and PL mindset, the buy now, pay later mindset that's so prevalent these days. Right. So we just, you know, we got on a budget, but we did, you know, we did a lot of crazy things. Like my wife actually was working as a nanny at the time. So when you work as a nanny, you get a lot of opportunities to babysit or like to do overnight, you know, stuff like babysitting stuff. So she picked up any extra work she, that she could in, in that realm. And then, you know, we did, we did all kinds of stuff. We did garage sales. I was selling stuff online, eBay and Craigslist and all that stuff. I was doing manual labor side jobs. People were hiring me to help them move and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, I was doing like uh car detailing people's cars, all kind of random stuff to make money. Uh, of course, we, any tax return money we got, we would save that and throw it toward the debt. Another thing we did that, that was really lucrative was all these like uh, 
are you guys familiar with like these marketing studies or focus oh, groups? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some of these pay big mm -hmm. money. And uh, my wife and I combined, I think we made like $8,000 over the course of a couple of years. Like wow. uh, just doing like taste tests or uh, mock juries are big. Uh, they'll, I'll, they'll, do it the, I'll do the yeah, taste test one. Yeah. Uh, they'll, 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 <laughs> Jason, they'll, the human science experiment. But I want to tell you guys the craziest thing that we did. This was, when you reflect back, it, it's this is really embarrassing, okay? That, that we did to try to make extra money was we started, my wife has a um, diet coke addiction okay so i started noticing like all these diet coke cans you know piling up in the trash it's like now wait a minute we could probably recycle these and you know make some money there's a you know one of those metal recycling shops you know not far from our house so i said let's just start saving up the cans and you know we'll run them down there and and so we got we we kind of went overboard with it we were like <laughs> taking you know we live in a complex so they have their little recycling center so we would go and go take people's cans that they left in the recycling area we would take their bags of cans we went on a beach trip in florida and uh at the end of the day we would just walk the beach with trash bags just picking up <laughs> they probably thought that we were city workers just yeah. picking up trash we're just picking up cans it's beer like, cans oh, they, cocaine they forgot their vests yeah like, yeah, <laughs> yeah what are these guys oh that's how oh, they must be uh you know they must have community service hours they must, <laughs> they must these guys are prisoners oh, you look like a felon to be yeah, honest it, Jason, it could you know? it could yeah. very well be the case but uh so we're picking up cans you know we're taking cans so here's the thing. I'm embarrassed. I don't even want to know how many hours that we, we did this. And we made a grand total of $120 oh, recycling man. cans. So maybe in retrospect, you didn't value your time enough to do in, in that pursuit. But overall, like you're doing everything that you possibly can. And you're on the same page, it sounds like, too. Like, I guess I'm curious now yeah. that you're quite a few years removed from paying off your wife's degree in, mm -hmm. in kind of like record time. How do you look back on those years where you were like the the... The belt was tight, and there wasn't a lot of money to do extra things. How do you how do you think about that time? To me, like when you look at our story, I, I just feel like, hey, we made a lot of sacrifices, uh, but it was only temporary. It was a two year. It was two years. It was a short, just look at, just like when I was in grad school, when I started grad school, I felt like I was in prison. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done to myself? I'm never going to get through this. But it was really like, I just took it one day at a time and I just said to myself, you know, this is all temporary. You're going to get through it. It's a short amount of time in, in the grand scheme of life. Uh, same thing with the debt journey. Hey, you can do this. You can make sacrifices. It, it, you know, I went an entire year without eating out at a restaurant. Now, it happened to be the COVID year, and we also had a baby, <laughs> so th that helped too. But You weren't going to anyway. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you can do it. Like it, 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 When you say that, like, I'm going to go an entire year without go going out to, to a restaurant, fast food or restaurant. You're like, that's impossible. Most people would say going an entire week without right. going is impossible. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So, so it, it's just, I want to give hope and encouragement to people, to your audience that, that's in this situation. Like, look, it can be done. It take your know, baby steps, change your, it's, it's all about changing your mindset. It's all about, you know, behavior behavior modification and and you can do it and just just think it's it's only temporary you're going to get through it and, and that that I, I love telling people that i love encouraging people yeah no i love that encouragement and that encouragement i think goes a long way because yeah when you feel like it can't be done uh and when you're hearing the guy who did it and he's telling you you can do it too that i mean there's a reason people want to pay money to listen to the best motivational speakers. And I think that's a, a really motivational, but it's also a practical and reality-based message that you're, that you're giving folks. All right, we've got a couple more questions we're going to get to with you, Jason. Uh, and we want to ask you about writing books too. So we'll get to that right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to kachava.com slash how to money. That's spelled K-A-C-H-A-V-A and get 10% off your first order. That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash how to money. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we are back from the break talking with Jason Brown about how to get that higher education without going into debt. And... Uh, Jace, I love that you're sharing some of the different ways that you were, I mean, y'all were just hustling when it came to finding ways specifically to pay off your wife's debt. Let's talk about dual enrollment uh, because it makes me think about, I've got a buddy and he, he's got four kids, but uh, two of his kids are in high school. He's got a senior, he's got a junior. His senior literally is taking all of her classes at the local university. His junior, she's literally only taking one class. She didn't even get a parking pass this year at the local high school because she's like, well, what's the point? I don't need to go through all of that. Don't need to pay for that. No. And so talk to us a little bit about dual enrollment. I didn't realize that that was something that you can do at a, at a younger age like that. It wasn't even on my radar at all when I was in high school. Yeah, this is a this is a funny story how I found out about this. So I'm sitting in grad school at Kennesaw State University. And I'm in a creative writing class and I'm, I'm 40 years old. Okay. And this kid comes into class and he sits next to me and you know, he's in the class and I look over, I'm like, he, he's seven. I'm like, who are you? Like, when did they start he, enrolling he's, children? He's 17. You know, to me, he's a kid. Okay. He's 17. <laughs> I say, I start talking to him like, Hey, you know, I introduced myself and he, I've come to find out he's 17 and he's in high school. And I'm like, I turned to him, I'm like, how are you here? And he says, oh, he starts talking to me about this dual enrollment program. Was his name Doogie Hauser? Uh, I, I honestly can't remember. It might have been. So he starts telling me about this dual enrollment program and, and you know, how it works and stuff. And I'm sitting there, at the time I got a two-year-old son, and I'm sitting there furiously writing notes, <laughs> writing everything that he's saying, because I'm trying to figure out how to enroll my two-year-old into this. So basically his story was, he was going to a local high school. He, he had uh, graduated a semester early. So he, he, I guess, worked his schedule out, his class schedule to where he, he finished high school a semester early. So I guess his last semester in high school, he's going to take college classes like at, at my school at KSU. So basically what he was going to do was in the fall, he was going to go to the University of Alabama. And I think he said he was going to study like civil engineering or something like that. And he was going to start out as a sophomore. So not only has he cut out a, the time, he's cut out a year but he's also cut out the time and the finances. So, mm -hmm. and so this is all paid for by the state. And I started asking him, how does this work? How do you qualify for it? Do you have to have like a 4.0 and be like a, you know, star student, perfect attendance? You gotta be a valedictorian, right? <laughs> That's what I thought. He says, no, no, you just, he's like, you just apply for it. And he says, the state pays for everything. They pay for tuition, they pay for your books, everything. And and then when he goes and starts college, he was gonna start as a fre uh, as a sophomore. He was gonna eliminate that first year of, of school. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Very impressive. I was like, this is, this, and and, and I will say to the audience, wherever state you're in, because these, these programs differ by state. Sure. And, our, and, and even our governor, Governor Kemp, I think he's made some changes to it recently. So just Google like whatever your state. We're in Georgia. So if you Google like Georgia dual enrollment program, you'll get all the information uh, in the state that you're in. But this is a tremendous uh, program 
to strongly consider for yourself or your kids uh, that will save you not only time, but money. And, and, and it's going to get you like you were talking about Joel earlier about, you know, uh, did, did I feel like I was missing out on you know years of salary? Hey, this guy, uh, he's going to get, he's ahead of his peers now. Yeah. He's going to be graduating a year early. That's one year extra of potential full-time salary that he's going to be making while his same age peers are still toiling away in, yeah. in college, right? Makes me think about AP classes too. That's another way that people can, uh, kids, that, you score right. high enough on the AP exam, which I believe cost you $95 to take an AP exam. Mm-hmm. And you basically skip out on potentially a $2,500 class. That's right. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a very good uh, comparison. The AP classes as well. I researched this for my book too. Actually, I wrote a, somebody mentioned, I had my book done and somebody mentioned the AP. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I got to go right add a section to my book. <laughs> I got to include this in my book. So uh, the AP thing, yeah, you're right. You can take AP classes. T- you can test out of college courses, so then you don't have to pay. You don't have to. You're 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 skipping the finances and the time, so it expedites your college career, right? Very nice. Okay, so you mentioned your book, and it sounds like you pretty much had it ready to go before you made those edits. Talk to us about that. Like, so you self published. What are the pros? What are the cons yeah. uh, from a financial standpoint? Has it? netted you know what you thought it would i'm, I'm curious to kind of get yeah. get some of your thoughts there so all i've i've self-published three books to amazon exclusively so i've written two money related books like you guys mentioned the margin matters and then the it is possible and then i, I actually wrote a non-money related book it's a uh, memoir uh actually it's a co i co-authored it with a hall of fame ncaa softball coach who coached at kennesaw state he asked me to to help him write it so that's a sports related memoir but all three of those books uh i wrote all three of those books in, in about two two or three years time i was working them all simultaneously uh but yeah they're all self-published uh the difference is if you self-publish you're gonna get a much higher percent royalties versus if you go with a publishing company but it, there's pros and cons of both right so if you if you sign with a publishing company you're going to get a much smaller percent of royalties. There's different ways of doing it. Like a lot of our friends of FinCon that I've met at the author table, they'll say, hey, this publisher just cut us a check. They just gave us, you know, whatever. They gave us $10,000 to write this book. And that was it. That was their payment. They, there was no royalties on the back end or anything. There's different ways to do it, to set it up. But uh, the thing is, so if you go with the publisher, they're, they're doing all the work too. They're marketing it. They're promoting it, doing the public relations, do social media, all that stuff. They're doing the work for Except you. Except for in the modern era podcast, you, if you want your book to sell, you still got to get out there and be marketing marketing it too, don't That's you? That's right. You you have to do a lot of work too. You have to come on big shows like yeah. How to Money and yeah. promote yourself. Uh, you have to be a self-promoter. We got our fingers crossed that you'll get you'll get that bump. Yeah. The yeah. HTM bump. Exactly. But the, the publishers aren't just putting you on the Times Square billboard because you're great. I mean, no, uh, yeah. no. And, and so when you self-publish, like you're, you're right, Joe, you're doing all of the work yourself. You're doing the marketing, the promotion. It's just really, it just depends on, you know, everybody's situation is different. Um, for me, you know, I didn't really, ha- you know, I was you know, these all started out actually as grad school projects, really. So I'm getting course credit for this. And I was like, hey, you know, I'd really like to publish this. So I, I really Very didn't have cool. any connections to, you know, big, there's not a whole lot of big publishing companies anymore. Oh, anymore. Not anymore. As gonna, they've consolidated. Yeah, sure. they've consolidated. And a lot of people just do eBooks because it's cheaper and easier to do. I mean, a lot of people publish eBooks to Amazon and, you know, you'll see 30 page books that are published on Amazon and You're they're like, this, this isn't a book. They'll sell them for 99 <laughs> cents or whatever. But, but you know, there's different ways of doing it. Um, there, you can do audiobooks. You can do, uh, you know, paperbacks, cardbacks. You can do digital eBooks. You know, Kindle versions. So that's what's cool about the digital age that we live in now too. Is uh, you can actually edit, like like if I wanted to go and add a new chapter to my book, I can add that chapter and re-upload it to Amazon, and now I have a new version of my book. That's cool. Uh, as opposed to the old the olden days where, you know, you publish a book and that's it. Like a newspaper. The newspaper's published. If there's a mistake in it, oh, well. It, it, it's out there. It's out there yeah. and there's nothing being done. So those are some of the, you know, I guess comparisons between the two. I, I have a lot of friends that have done both. Um, you know, if, you, if you're with a publisher, you, you might only be making 3% royalty. So that means you're going to have to sell like millions of copies of books to you know even make uh, there's another stat only six percent of published authors earn a living you know mm. like your jk oh, yeah. rawling and your your james patterson the, you know tom clancy there's very few stephen king there's very very few of those uh that are actually i'm a full-time author and that's my salary that yeah. that's very difficult to uh to do it 
Plus, I hear all those guys are weirdos anyway uh, <laughs> in, in, in real life. <laughs> that may be true. That's how they get their stories. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Jason, man, this has been an enlightening conversation. Uh, obviously, folks can go to Amazon. They can, you know, we can link to your name where they can find your author's bio and where they can look at, check out all the different books that you have written. But is there a specific place that folks can go? Like, uh, yeah, let's share your website. Yeah, man. Uh, my the, the best place to go is uh, my website is yourmarginmatters.com. And on my homepage, there's a link to my books. There's actually have a YouTube channel. Uh, so if, if you're frugal like me and you don't want to pay for one of my books, you can watch all my my, <laughs> my YouTube videos for free because that's all the content straight out of my books. So I have a YouTube channel there. I have a link to my books. I've written some blogs on there as well. And there's some other resources on there uh, on my website that, that I like to share with people too. Well, you also write at howtomoney.com uh, on the reg. So people, if they're like, oh, I like that Jason guy. Well, you can go to howtomoney.com and you can read more of Jason's stuff too. So Jason, we're, we're glad to have you as a friend, glad to have you writing and, and doing this work alongside us as well. And uh, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And I just, on a personal note, I, I really appreciate everything that you guys do for the money nerd community out there. I know you're helping a lot of people. And uh, I, j- I just want to say, I really appreciate everything you guys do and keep up the good work. Don't stop. We will do our best. <laughs> thanks, Jason. Joel. All right. So yeah, we just said bye to Jason. Uh, and of course, we've got to take a minute to give our big takeaways. By the way, are you and are you and Jason going to go clothes shopping here soon? <laughs> well, we were just talking about how there's, tall guys. there's all the big and tall stores. But what about just like tall skinny just weirdos? Tall guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't have stores for us for some reason. But uh, yeah, what is your big takeaway from our conversation with you, Jason Brown? For some reason, when early on when he was talking about the value proposition of a degree and, and kind of doing some sleuthing, before you actually like uh, decide where you're going to go and what kind of degree you're going to get. And he said, maybe even hire a career coach. Dude, you like, stole, stole my that what you're I'm like, I love I'll, I'll pivot. <laughs> well, no, that was so good. Because yeah. an expert can, like, it, it, that little bit of money spent on the front end can help you avoid a massive money mistake. Years right, and that, years. It's, it's sort of like just changing, like, imagine, like, the smallest little pivot, like, at the axis of something over time that has a, a huge change, yeah. like, as you as you move something, right? A giant, so, like, a giant ship. Uh, changing the course of the rudder just a exactly. little bit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Imagine, imagine a yeah. rudder. It, it seems like such a small little tweak, a small pivot, a small change, and then all of a sudden the ship is going in an entirely different direction. Yeah. So yeah, that that was gonna. I was gonna mention that, and just honestly, as parents, I think we can start having some of these discussions with our kids earlier, which seems kind of ridiculous. I literally remember my dad talking about that maybe when I was thirteen or something like that. But I he, think you're supposed to do it in utero, Matt. You're too late. <laughs> but he was he was saying that like, hey, it's not too soon to start thinking about what you want to do and. I guess I just didn't take it seriously. And there's a certain level of maturity, I think, that also is required for you to maybe take that seriously and to start thinking about what you actually want to do. But by the time I went to college, luckily I had scholarship and I went in state, but I spent a couple years floundering trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. had I been able to zero in and focus on my area of study, it's okay to even say pay a little bit more for college. Certainly try to avoid debt as much as as you can. It is possible, like Jason. And yeah, Jason proved, but it would be worth it if you knew that that was 100% the direction that you were going to go. But man, going through the process of discovery and trying to figure things out, that's an expensive way to go about that, especially if you don't have scholarships, yeah. especially if you're going out of state. Constantly so think, changing majors, mm-hmm. having to retake classes. That was me. Like, yeah, you're still That was me. Literally longer. every year I was in a different school. I went from the science uh, and then I hopped over to Terry for with business and then you know, went Franklin for arts. Like <laughs> eventually I ended up in journalism uh, over at Grady, which honestly kind of ironic considering I didn't think I'd end up uh, <laughs> being a podcaster. But yeah, no, I think that was that was great advice. Well, that wasn't really a career path at that point in time, right? Nobody could have coached you in that direction. It certainly wasn't. I yeah. think maybe there there were a few. Like, let, let me, those pipes are amazing. <laughs> you should really go into this not yet invented medium. Yeah, but, yeah. So that was great. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, but my big to- takeaway, I'll, I'll go ahead and also mentioned in the ability ability to dual enroll. I think that's something that should be on parents' radars a little bit sooner. I'm a little torn between the concept of like rushing through high school, Uh you know, and kind of like, I don't know, there's a certain element of growing up too fast that 
oh, kind of ru- not rubs me the wrong way, but I'm I'm certainly going to be careful about that. But I think there are happy medium approach. You don't want prolonged adolescence, but you also don't want to like rush it so quickly. Yeah. Where you graduated college at the age of 19, and, and, and sure. maybe you're not as fully formed as a human, yes. and you miss out on some of the other experiences at college. Well, can offer. and even just the learning, because yes, sure, maybe you placed out of certain classes because you're smart, uh, or you're able to cram and pass via certain exams and placement uh, placement exams. But were you able to actually? absorb, absorb yeah. that knowledge where you is that going to stick with you are you going to be able to retain that i think that's something to consider you want to pay attention to the financials and be thinking about that but at the same time i we don't want to all try to fast track our yeah. kids i think it's important to know what our kids are capable of so yeah. i think the one other thing that jason said that i thought really struck me was when he said basically said debt does not have to be a part of life and we've kind of grown accustomed yeah we've normalized to, it yeah we've normalized it so much where it's buy now pay later like 15 years ago people would have been like what that's going to get invented that sounds crazy and and now it's like ah it's just old hat it's, it's every day that's how people buy stuff and it doesn't have to be <laughs> and it no nope. you said it sounds kind of midwestern it sounds kind of old school <laughs> and and it does but it what sounds kind of quaint is probably the best way for you to be less stressed about your money and to be making more progress. Totally. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our beer. We enjoyed a profit maker. Uh, this is a uh, dry hot pale ale by Burial. What were your thoughts on this one, buddy? Pale ales, they're lighter than IPAs. They're not quite as dense and uh, don't have quite as much body. But this one still had a bunch of hops, but it was definitely like a, a lighter medium for conveying those hops. So um, it <laughs> kind of tasted like... And I've never actually like stuck my head in the clouds and um, stuck my tongue out, but it tasted kind of like that. If <laughs> if I were to do that, what I imagined it would taste like. So it tasted like rainwater. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like snow. Cause, you, know, you see snow and it's like the most beautiful thing. Uh-huh. Like for some reason you think it's going to be sweet. But it's just like, yeah, it's rainwater. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's frozen. Yeah, no, it, uh, it certainly had that hoppy presence. Grassy. It had like a grassiness to it. Uh, but with that lighter body, it's the perfect kind of pale ale, perfect kind of beer to enjoy on a warmer day like today. But uh, yeah, glad you and I got to enjoy those today. And that is going to be it. We'll make sure to link to where you can learn more about Jason up on the website at howtomoney.com. And we would have let Jason give a beer review, but he he doesn't like beer. He's not a drinker. So he, yeah, he loves coffee. And you know what? Less on the beer front. We're still his friend. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be it, buddy. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.